we've been talking about two worlds or literally two realms, and this is week six. And so I just want to say this in starting, you know, since we've been teaching on this for a while, I would say it would be okay then to begin to start thinking in line with the other world, the unseen world. You know, because we could live our whole life, or people do, and are oblivious that there's another world, another realm, other things out there. And then there are people who make up all the ideas of what all the things are that are out there. But the Bible is the guide to help you to think properly of what you don't see. And so it would be okay to ponder deeply the other side. What's out there? What's really going on? People that live here, you know, in the world have questions. They're like, I don't understand why this, these people, this kid shot up all these people. Now, you could probably listen to this message in six months from now, and they'll say, whoa, he just preached that last week. Because it's going to happen again without change. And so what people try to do is they try to change, you know, gun control. Listen, it doesn't matter. We've complained that they were automatic weapons. Now they weren't automatic weapons. They weren't assault rifles. You know, somebody will go in there with a butter knife. You know what the problem is? Hearts. What happened the minute man fell in the earth at the beginning in the book of Genesis? What is the first thing after people sinned that occurred? Unprovoked murder. And he didn't have a gun. I mean, he killed a quarter of the population. You with me? And that's the truth. He did. You know, but people are like, well, that was massive. No, that was massive. Quarter of the population. Because there were only four people at the time. But you get what I'm saying, not to make light of it, but this is going to stay this way. But when we refuse to allow the gospel or we don't share the gospel, then hearts are wicked and they'll not restrain themselves and they'll go crazy. Because here's the thing, road rage, all that stuff is just the same outcropping. Okay, I'm glad everybody's excited about this. But the fact of the matter is we need to start recognizing wars happen the same way. There are unseen forces. There are more angels than demons, but people that won't hold to the truth will start thinking wrong. So it's okay for us to ponder there are angels out there. There are demons. Focus on Jesus and angels, not demons. You with me? As a believer. Because we have authority over those things. So here's the thing, though. We're to ponder what's over on that other side. That other side influences this side all the time. Positive and negative. There are influences happening. And there are things that are over there that actually God has designed for them to be in this realm. He wants them not only influencing, but he wants them in this realm seen and experienced. But I found this out not long after being saved. Not everything that God wants comes to pass automatically. You with me? Because people say stuff like, God's in control. If God's in control, 
we're not going to have a problem on the judgment day because he's going to say, I planned it all to be this way. Did God plan that school shooting? Then he wasn't in control, was he? I mean, if you think God controlled that and did that, I think you're leaving out a big factor that there are wicked spirits out there. You know, they say God's in control, acting like there's no demons, there's no evil spirits, there's no wicked things out there, and just God's in control. Like he's making the demons do this work and do it. No. There's an unseen world. We're actually told to resist the evil. If that guy started resisting evil and resisting temper tantrums and stuff like that, he wouldn't have come to the place where he did what he did. Well, amen to that. But it's no big deal that he did it because it was God was in control. You know how dumb that sounds? Doesn't it? He, he wasn't in control. He wasn't like, shoot higher, shoot to the left. I'm in control of this right now. But then that means the last school shooting where everybody was upset that that one policeman didn't just rush into the building. God was in control of that. So we just blame God. No. Do you have a scripture that says God is in control? But you know how many times that's said? No. Think about it. Some of you had a real battle getting here this morning. And not because your pants didn't fit because you ate too much last week. Now that's a real battle. But that's a different battle. Some of you woke up and had thoughts, no, nah, just don't even go. And you thought, well, uh, well, maybe I should, maybe I should. And where did those thoughts come from? From God? So he's in control. He put those there. I don't think so. But everybody deals with them. It's what we do with them, though. And so, though, there are things that are over there that God wants here in your life. And so, we call this answers to prayer. Faith moving mountains. Interesting thought. The things he wants don't always automatically come, but did he give us instruction to get it from there to here? In other words, is everything you need in this life already there? That's a good question, because how many people are trying to get things, trying to talk God into something, but he said, I've already provided all things for you that you would ever need, whether it was deliverance from an addiction, whether it was healing, whether it was strength, whether it's direction, soundness, peace, provision, it matters not. It's already in the spirit realm. You know, I heard this story from a reputable minister who had had an experience and went to heaven and he said the Lord showed him when he was there this huge warehouse, gigantic warehouse with every kind of body part you could imagine. He said they were like all replacement parts and he said well what is it? He said anything anybody ever needs I've provided for it, I paid for it, you know they need to appropriate it. And he said but much of it goes unclaimed. We know that can be true because of the fact, isn't 
their salvation that Jesus paid for for the whole world, but it goes unclaimed. So if it's true there, couldn't it be true on the other side? If he said, I've provided all things that you'll ever need. You with me? So faith gets it into your own life based on his grace or what he paid for. And so let's turn to Mark 11, 24. And how do we get this? How does this work then? You know, how do I get from those things that are there here in my life? Is there a key to this? Because you know what? You're going to hear all kinds of things, and then you're going to hear people say stuff like, well, it must not have been God's will. Then why would you ask for something that wasn't His will? You with me? We inherently know it is, but sometimes we get stumped. And you know what I mean? We come to a place where we're like, well, how come I didn't? And what happened? And then we just come to the conclusion, it, well, it was all on God. But that's not true. Even the disciples knew it wasn't all on God. They were healing the sick, casting out devils. One day they went to do what they had been doing, and they had authority to do, and they did it, and it didn't work. So you know what they did? They said, must have been the will of the Lord. No, they took Jesus privately and said, how come we couldn't? In other words, we've been doing this, but how come we couldn't? And how many people don't ask that question, how come we haven't? They just adopt an idea. And so here, here they are asking, and he explained to them why they didn't. Why would he explain to them why they didn't or couldn't? Because he wanted to solve the problem so that later on they could. You with me? But we've built doctrines to make excuses, not for God, but for ourselves, and we don't even know it. The church world has. No longer is God filling people with the Spirit because we prayed and a few people didn't get filled. We don't know why. Yeah, I guess it's not for everybody. God's done doing that now. He's not delivering people of drugs. He's not keeping people anymore. You know, you used to be able to claim divine protection and angels would watch over your life. But, you know, it's just not that way anymore. God stopped with the last apostles. Where is that in the Bible? You with me? And so we assume things because they've been told us, but were they appropriate? Were they right? And has God been on the other side going, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hey, no. But you know what? We're not listening. We're wanting a voice in our ears instead of out of the word. So we, we shut it off because we heard a voice in our ear from somebody who didn't know better and was supposed to, but didn't do their due diligence to study but they're a flashy preacher. Not everything that sparkles is gold or silver. Some of it's aluminum foil. You with me? It's just not what it appears to be. And so just because, you know, you get tired from running around and screaming and shouting and everything doesn't mean you got perspired, not inspired. There's a vast difference. So we just, woo, 
But is there a woo that's from God? You better believe it. It'll challenge your emotions. It'll twist you from the inside out in a good way. And so let's look here in Mark 11. How do we get from there, the things that are there, to us? Mark 11, 24. We're going to read this verse. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now notice that first phrase. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray. I think that we have majored on prayer and majored on this and have gotten so strong in the front part, we're messed up on the back part, and we'll just say things like this, I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. Prayer, prayer, we need prayer. We need more prayer, prayer. And we've done good at asking. And some people have been really good about spending long, 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 long hours in prayer. You know, one time Jesus said this about some religious people that uh, spent a long time in prayer. He said, don't think you're going to get anything because you asked for a long time. But we believe in prayer. Those are the words of Jesus. What if I got up and said, just let me tell you something. Don't think you're going to get anything if you pray for a long time. People say, well, bless God, I'm an intercessor. <laughs> like I said, don't think you're going to get much just because you spend a long time. Hey, if you're a baker and you never produce cookies, cakes, or anything, we got a problem. I mean, if you go into a bakery, it's got these nice shelves, the glass, you know, clean it with Windex or whatever your brand is, don't want to be offensive. Whatever your brand is, you clean them, you know. You might, well, I'm a purist, I use vinegar and water. Okay, great. Whatever it is, you got the cleanest glass, but every time I go in there, there's no cookies, no cakes, no sacred things like donuts, and you're a baker. Do we have a problem here? But if they claim, I'm a baker. Don't think you're going to bake anything because of your much talking about baking. You know, there's rules that govern baking. Some of us don't realize that. I know there's people that, are, that, are, that hate the fact that people kill animals. And they'll go protest, and, you know, I can't believe they're out there killing animals and stuff, and then they'll get done protesting and go, let's go have a burger. <laughs> you know, they had to kill that cow to get that burger and those potatoes to get those french fries. They had to murder them, kill them. And people, I think the people just don't think some of these things through. I'm here to help. That's what I'm here for. So Jesus obviously believed in prayer, but he didn't just say, if you pray, you get it. Wouldn't that be nice? 
but he did tell us how to get it from there to here. He said this, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Well, somebody said, I believe, I believe, I believe in Jesus. That's not what he said you have to believe. Well, I believe God's all-powerful. Well, that's good too, but that's not what you're told to believe. We're talking about getting stuff from there to here. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So what did he say? He said, believe you receive when you pray. Notice he didn't say, believe you receive when you see. Most people, the reason they keep praying is because they haven't seen. And when they see, they'll say, I believe. Jesus said it don't work like that. If I really believe I got it when I prayed, then do I need to keep praying? Not, not if I really in my heart believed it. Because I would think, I believe I've got it. But remember, believing is not seen. But believing, remember, Lazarus died. They came running to Jesus. If you had been here, he would not have died. Nevertheless, we believe whatever with you, you know, it's good. He said, did I not tell you if you believed? See, they weren't believing anymore. He said, then you would see. What is believing? It's believing something that you hear from him, believing in a truth you don't see. And here he said you have to believe that you receive. That You know what's so nice about that? I don't have to sweat feeling it. Now that'll bug people. That doesn't work in a chemist little lab. Because they want to touch and feel. But he said, he said, you have to pray, believe that you receive them. So what are you receiving? Something that's in the spirit realm that we need here. So if I pray for somebody, then I believe God's working even if they start acting worse. Let me ask you a question. Brilliant. Has God ever dealt with you and you refused Him? Now, I'm not pointing at them over here. I'm just walking over here. Everybody's looking at them. Well, come on, tell us. <laughs> no, everybody, including myself, has God ever dealt with... I guarantee you there are people God dealt with this morning that came and didn't come. And God dealt with them. But what happens is we go, oh God, I prayed. But you have to believe. Because we all know it to be true ourselves. Haven't we all wrestled with obeying God? Maybe that was the result of somebody praying for us. So then, thankfully, you stick with your belief, not with what you see. And because people can wrestle. Okay, you guys are acting way holy like you never did that before. Well, so he didn't say pray and see. He said pray, believe that you receive, 
then you'll have it. So how long do I believe? And what is it that I believe? I believe I receive when I pray. Notice this in Matthew 21. Matthew 21. We're going to look at a couple things here because believing is the key to making prayer work. And you know what's interesting is believing really comes down to a choice. Believing comes down to a choice. The Word of God directs us in what we're to choose to believe or choose to accept. When I accept what the Scripture says as fact, that's me believing it. Believing it, I get what's called faith. I'm convinced of a reality that is not seen yet with the physical senses or experience. So Matthew 21 Verse 22, notice this, Jesus teaching on prayer. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive or get it. You believe it first. Well, believing makes me excited. You with me? But believing is a choice. Believing is a choice that can be made. Do you know that every one of us are actually required to help people with their believing? Did you know that? Every one of us who are saved, everyone who, uh, who has experienced God do something in their life, which would mean anybody saved, or gotten healed, or anything else, is required to help others with their belief. Go to John 20. John 20. This is real interesting because do you know that after Jesus died and rose again, even one of his faithful followers did not believe he had risen from the dead? Now we hear the truth, but does that mean I believe what I hear? When I believe it, I become confident in what I don't see. That's called faith. Then I act on that. Then I reap the rewards. But notice this, John 20. And we'll start in verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after he rose from the dead. The other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will. That's his will. That's his choice. I will, I will not, I will to or I will not to, I will not believe or accept what you're saying as a fact. Not going to. Now, but, but you remember, this guy lived with Jesus basically for three years, traveled with him, did all this stuff, and here he's with the other disciples. He said, hey, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to believe what you believe till I see this. 
You know what I find interesting is this same Thomas. Historians know he went to India and evangelized India. As a matter of fact, when I traveled to India, the people were quite proud when I told them I'm a Christian. They said, do you know Jesus' follower, Thomas, evangelized our land? Cool. But you know what I found out, too? They do festivals all the time, regularly. Like, they got awesome fireworks. The boom kind, loud, like big time. And you're like, what are they doing now? You, bam, bam, bam. Oh, it's this festival. Well, they got 330 million gods that they claim are gods. And at the end of these festivals, they take these big statues of these prominent gods, and they go take them to one of the lakes or one of the rivers, and they huck them in, throw in, and they're waiting for them to rise up from the dead. The one that rises from the dead, they will accept as God. And do away with all the others. To me, uh, they're waiting to see. There's a danger. Who was the one who evangelized them? The guy who said, I won't believe till I see. You know what I think the real danger in that is? Is if you're a Bible student, uh, you know the Antichrist is going to take some kind of mortal wound to his head and rise up. Well, you got three, you got a, a billion something people down there with 330 million gods waiting for one to physically rise up. You wonder, could they turn to him? Because they're not doing it the way God said. Notice this, verse 25. It goes on to say, or goes. Like this, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see or experience in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print uh, of the nail in his side or where the spear was, I will to not believe. In other words, words are not good enough for me. I need physical evidence. Notice verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with Jesus, with them. Here's an interesting thing. Here's this guy who doesn't believe, and he's hanging out with the people who do believe. For eight days. Still there. Still hanging out. Meeting up there. That's an interesting thought. Still not believing. Eight days have passed. His disciples were again inside. Thomas with them. Isn't it interesting it said his disciples and Thomas. What is a disciple? That is a good question. You know, when, people, when the Lord talks about a disciple, if you go look at John 8, he'll tell you it's people who govern themselves in their belief systems not people who go to a class a disciple is one who is self-disciplined in their faith well he is for sure not right here yet well let's just keep reading so Jesus is Thomas is there the others are there uh, with them Jesus came 
the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said. Now, a lot of people said Jesus walked through the wall. He walked through the doors. It doesn't say that. All of a sudden, wham, he's right there. I mean, if it was me, I'd have scared one of them. I'd have just appeared right behind them, and they turned around and said, hey. And then, whoa. But that's why I'm not the Lord. And among other reasons. That he was God in the flesh. That disqualifies me and you. Though you may act like you're God in the flesh. Anyway, and he stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Verse 27 Then he said to Thomas, he turned right to him, he said, reach your finger here, look at my hands, because these are all the things he said, and Jesus wasn't even there. What's interesting is, the other side was knowing all of it, even though this side wasn't believing that side. Because he shows up knowing all this. This is everything he said, and it wasn't like, hey, you know, Peter's like, hey, I, you know, Thomas is right over there. He said this. Thanks, Peter. No, he knew it because the other side knows. We just need to agree with it. And he said, reach your, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So he said, you now need to do this and change your belief. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now, let me make this statement. It never said Thomas did what he said it would take for him to change his belief. But he changed his belief. Notice verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, verse 29. And maybe he said that like, my God. Verse 29, but he meant it, you are my God. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He said, Thomas, you believe because you saw. But he said, you know, for those who haven't seen but believe, they're blessed. The question is, why and in what way are you blessed if you choose to believe before you see? That is a huge question. I mean, I've thrown this around for a while about doing videos and doing some different things about people who uh, have had some numerous types of healings from eyes to ears to growths. I mean, you know, that the doctor said no, heart conditions, you name it. People healed and we don't always advertise it. You know, backs, all kinds of things where they're at the doctor, at the hospital, have a diagnosis, and all, and we're healed without medicine. I'm not opposed to medicine. I'm just saying, I've wondered about putting videos up just so we could play them, you know, week after week, so that, you know, and Patsy told us the other day when she came up here a few weeks ago that her toe was upside down or had turned, 
and uh, had been that way. And, you know, you go to the doctor and they look at that. What are they going to do? So I went to lay hands on her and, and I could tell the power of God was there and it didn't flow. And I just looked right at her and said, you're not going to receive with your head. And she went, oh, yeah, right. Isn't that true? She said, yeah. I, and man, I sensed the power of God go right in. I said, well, that did it. And she said, I know. And she said, I felt it turn right back normal. And it was changed. Here's the thing. Should we tell one another about those types of things? You better believe it. We should tell them how we got saved. Why? Because it helps them to have something they can look at. It's not the ideal thing, but no doubt Jesus used that method when he said, go tell the good things the Lord has done for you. Go tell the good things the Lord has done for you. There were times when he said, don't tell. Because he was trying to be in an area, and then it said, and so much more the people told, and then crowds came, and he couldn't do what he was needing to do. Because you see the result of a personal testimony. That's why we should tell people, I got saved. I got healed. You should come and check this out. Why? Because we want them to change their belief. So why is it? Because he said this main statement right here, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. We want to help people to believe. That's why we testify. Turn to 1 Peter and we'll close with this verse, I believe. 1 Peter. There are people out there that just won't always change till they have some kind of proof. And there's some people who just won't. But here's the thing. There is some proof, and there are times, Jesus even said this one time. He said, you know, talked about believing in him for the word, but he said, if you don't believe that, he said, believe for the work's sake. He said, the scriptures talk about me. Believe that. And he said, and if you don't believe that, he said, at least believe for the work's sake. In other words, the things you saw me do. In other words, ultimately, we need to believe what God said in his word. But he even said, hey, if that's not going to move you, look at all these miracles. That's why we should have the power of God working in our lives. That's why we should experience God when we go to church. And, and we should know Him and experience Him. And I think there is a place that we could do better of telling the miracles that happen. And it's good for us. Why? Because it will help move people to believe who are just like, well, you know, they've been trained through their life now that science, if you can't touch it, if you can't feel it, and we've got the goods and we can tell. How many people have been physically healed here before? That's a chunk of people. Some people aren't raising their hands. My mom had a big hernia, and she didn't raise her hand. That thing disappeared, laid hands on her one day at prayer. It was the size of a baseball, right? And it went whoop and sunk and disappeared. And there's other people. I know Gail was here, and there was a word of knowledge one time about something in their jaw. She was getting ready to go to the dentist. She said it felt like a bag of potato chips when you were crunching them. And she said, went back to the dentist. They said that part we were going to do the work is all filled in. Now, that's a pretty good one. But there's other people. But here's the thing. Are those good testimonies to be shared? Because they are things that would move people. We live in a world that God tries to compel people. They ultimately, what is it that they must believe? The written word. But it will help people to move. 
Yeah, I used to be on drugs, and I received the Lord, and I'm free. First Peter, why is it more blessed to believe and not see? Because we'll read this right here in close. First Peter 1, verse 8. There is something to believing apart from seeing. If you can do this, and you can... But what happens is we sometimes know there is an experience and we try to squeeze the experience into our belief system. And the experience should be the result of our belief system, not the governing factor. And so many times people say, well, I'm not sensing God. Has he left me? No. See, what you've done is you've totally separated from Scripture. Now you're going to get yourself in trouble, and then the devil's going to jump in and go, He left you. He left you. You acted stupid. I know I did, didn't I? He left you. You See, you've moved away from believing that he said, I'll never leave you and forsake you. I'll be in you once you receive me, and I won't ever depart from there. Well, believing that without feeling will produce. But if I'm trying to feel something, then all of a sudden you come to church, you sense God, you're like, whoo, he's back. He's back. He never left, Jack. You just got stirred up in your belief. Well, it's getting quiet in here. I was thinking more people be going, amen. They're like, oh, me. This is totally different. Let's look at this in close. 1 Peter 1, 8. It says this. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. When you get your believing separated from feeling, separated from seeing, separated from experience, this very next thing will happen to you. You rejoice. When you can just accept the facts as the facts, internally what will happen to you is you'll, you'll start to rejoice. And, and, and not because you see. You'll be like, whoa, glory to God. Oh, yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that, oh that's a wonderful scripture. Huh. You ever seen that? Woo. You'll start rejoicing. Notice it says, with joy inexpressible and full of his power and his glory. But so many people want to experience the feeling Instead of just believing raw. What will the result of just accepting him at his word before you experience? Because that's how you believe. That's how you get something from the unseen. Jesus said, the people that are blessed are the people who believe without seeing. You first believe. You don't work out the rest. You start believing. And notice what these verses say here. This is cool inexpressible joy because you believe full of glory or his power notice receiving the end of your faith in other words what will happen eventually as you believe and don't see but you believe your heart will rejoice you'll go i got it i got it the problem is is if you stick around in your head it'll go well feel I don't feel it. You'll start losing that joy because you're moving away from believing and moving into seeing. 
And he said, believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Not with seeing, he said not seeing. That's how you pray. Believing without seeing, he said, you'll rejoice with joy inexpressible. One of the stamps that you're believing, and don't worry about how you feel. Just start believing. All the feelings you want will get connected right there. And it's not a feeling, it's something inside. He said, with joy inexpressible. Verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In other words, you get and experience salvation. Salvation literally means healing, deliverance. But here he's talking about the salvation of your soul. Being born again, accepting, calling, you experience and get to live in that. But you can live in victory. You can live in health. You can live in strength if you start believing. And, and here's the thing. There will be times you may have to stand your ground a little bit believing. But the fact is, you'll receive the end of your faith. In other words, you'll get the byproduct. You'll get what's over in that realm into your life.